You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Hey, welcome back. I appreciate that you've tuned in today. We are working our way through Holy Week as a church family. And today would be Tuesday of Holy Week. We wonder where was Jesus on Tuesday? Well, he would go back to the temple, and I want to share a little bit about what happened. If you were, if you listened to yesterday for the Monday episode of Holy Week, you'll remember that on his way to the temple to flip the tables over and cast judgment on the temple, Jesus actually cursed a fig tree. And I want to talk about that fig tree because in Mark's gospel, the next day, he comes by the fig tree again. And we just sort of want to pick up right there. So verse 20 of Mark chapter 11. This is our focus for the day. In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Then they arrived in Jerusalem while Jesus was walking in the temple courts. The chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked? And who gave you authority to do this? They're they're specifically speaking about his episode flipping the tables over the day before. You know, whose authority were you operating on yesterday? Jesus replied, I'll ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. John's baptism? Was it from heaven or human origin? Tell me. They discussed it among themselves and said, If we say from heaven, he will ask, Then why didn't you believe him? Luke's gospel tells us that they were not baptized by John. But if we say of human origin, they feared the people, for everyone held that John was really a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We don't know. Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. Uh, that seems like a fairly straightforward uh, exchange. You know, they asked Jesus, by whose authority were you doing this? And he asked a question about John the Baptist. Well, there was a specific reason for that. So before we go to the fig tree, which is my focus today, let me just expose this. The reason Jesus asked about John the Baptist is it was the same exact question. They wanted to know. Who gave you authority to flip over the tables? And Jesus was basically saying the same person who gave John the Baptist authority to baptize in the Jordan. So he's asking them, who started those? Well, they were afraid to answer that because if they said God gave John the Baptist the authority to baptize, well, then why didn't they get baptized by him? So if God gave John the Baptist the authority to baptize, he's giving Jesus the authority to judge the temple. God has judged the temple. And that's what happened, but they're, they're not going to say that. On the other hand, if they say what they actually thought, that John made up his authority and that his authority did not come from God, but came really just from himself, from men, well, then they're worried about the crowds who believe that John the Baptist was a legitimate prophet. And they were correct. 
those crowds would have been filling the temple that day. It would have been those crowds who were there behind Jesus that allowed him to flip the table with nobody stopping him. They were afraid the mob would revolt. So they just had to give up and could not answer the question, so they couldn't get the answer. But the implication is, it's the same. Wherever John got his authority, that's where I got mine yesterday. So now back to the fig tree. I used to think it was really peculiar that Jesus cursed this tree because it's the only miracle I can think of where on face value it used to look to me like Jesus was using his divine power just to make a scene. Do something that seemed to me to be coming from like lower level motivations. Like he was hungry, he wanted figs, there were no figs, he curses the tree, it dies. Well, that doesn't really seem like Jesus, does it? I mean, has he ever used his powers different, like, to, to just make a point like that? I mean, has he ever used his powers because he was frustrated that he didn't have a snack? That does not sound like Jesus. He's not operating out of a hungry belly. This is the guy that fasted for 40 days and would not turn a stone into bread. Well, he's not going to end his ministry by just you know killing trees in creation because he was hungry. But this was his last miracle. So here's this last miracle that seems to be, it's got to be important, but it doesn't make sense to me. Well, so then I started to think a little bit more deeply. I heard people talk about how that fig tree might have represented uh, worshiping God through the temple as it stood just now. And I recognize that all around this passage, Jesus is facing opposition from the temple at the triumphal entry. They didn't welcome him. Yesterday, he flipped over the tables. In just a few, in just a few verses, he's going to talk about God giving the vineyard to new tenants. In other words, you guys have done a terrible job managing the worship of God. He's going to give it to my followers, take it away from you. Uh, he's going to talk about the temple in chapter 13 being totally destroyed. He's also going to talk about how the Pharisees uh, at their temple worship are taking the, the, they're devouring widows' houses, taking the last that they had to live on. So in a very real way, Jesus is um, very much antagonistic against the temple. And keep in mind, they are going to kill him. The leaders of the temple, the high priest and the Sanhedrin, are going to be the ones who kill Jesus in the end. So this fig tree, if it does represent worship in the temple at the hands of the high priest and the Sanhedrin, well, Jesus is cursing the tree just the way he judged the temple yesterday. He said nobody can eat. And if you think about it, Mark kind of shows us this because he curses the tree in Mark, then he goes and judges the temple, and then the next scene he walks by the dead tree the next day. So what's in the middle of this Markan sandwich, what's in the middle is the judging of the temple by flipping over the tables. What's on the edges is he curses the tree and the tree is dead. What that tells you is like in the structure, Mark is giving you the key to understanding it. Jesus is recognizing this fig tree does in fact represent temple worship down below. Well, then he says this weird thing about to the disciples when they're amazed that it's withered. He is not just cursing the tree to curse the tree. He's teaching the disciples in a real live lesson that they will never forget. He's telling them that God's going to do powerful things through them. And if you think about it, the temple is going to be his demise in a few days. The disciples might have a really hard time believing that God could lead them to life after the temple opposes them. Like, how could you stand in the face of such a powerful entity that represents God when the high priest is on the wrong track? So this is what he said, right? Have faith in God. Truly, I tell you, if anybody says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they have will happen, it will be done for them. You know, this mountain, 
I have kind of a peculiar thought about this. He's standing on the Mount of Olives, and just next door is Mount Zion. I wonder when he says this mountain, if he means it in a generic way, you know, like we often talk about how you can, you know, uh, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can say that this mountain be cast in the sea, and it can. And that did become a, a Christian thought. You find it in other places that, that becomes something that believers um, you know, passed around. But I wonder if this is showing you kind of where it originated. Jesus standing on the Mount of Olives looking at Mount Zion. That will be his chief opposition. I wonder if he's telling his disciples that if you'll have faith, even after I'm gone, and continue to pray with great faith, You'll watch God cast that mountain into the sea. He judged the temple yesterday by flipping the tables. He's going to preach about it in two chapters to tell them that every stone is going to be torn down by the Romans. I wonder if he's telling them that in 40 years, you keep praying. In 40 years, God's going to give you what he asked for. You have what you're asking for. Have faith, and you'll watch God rebuild something remarkable. Something that's not just temple worship at the hands of the chief priest, but something that's born on faith. And prayer. And look at verse 25. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. That sounds like, you know, Matthew 6, the, the Lord's Prayer, and then the verse right after it. But why is that right next to the cursing of the fig tree, the casting of a mountain in the sea? Well, my answer is the fig tree represents the temple, the mountain is the temple, and it will be cast into the sea. If they have faith, because that's how God's going to be moving in this new movement of the church, the one that they're going to lead. And in fact, that is where the world will find their forgiveness from now on, through Jesus, through them. I think Jesus is preparing the, the disciples to be able to lead this kingdom of heaven movement where people will find forgiveness for their sins, even though they face a mountain, literally Mount Zion, the temple, an immovable roadblock, after they crucify Christ, there's no way that the disciples can believe that they'll be able to stand against the high priest. In fact, read the book of Acts. Their earliest and strongest opposition comes from the temple. But that's what happened on Tuesday. At least that's a little bit of what happened on Tuesday. So what do we do about this as a church family? As we think about Tuesday during Holy Week, I want to encourage you that you and I would be a healthy expression of the body of Jesus, not a religious institution born on power and control and structure and preserving our status quo. I want you and I to be a place where people find forgiveness from Jesus, not just where they find religious leaders that are determined to preserve their reputations. I want us to be Jesus people. I don't want us to be that immovable mountain. Nope. I want us to have faith and pray and move mountains. So church family, I love you. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If it's helpful for you, share it with somebody else. Don't forget that tomorrow on Wednesday, we'll begin our journey to the cross. So I'll see you at noon in the fellowship hall as we have a devotion and a meal together to prepare our hearts as we move through Holy Week. I love you, church family. God bless you.